Hi, Green Junkie. I'm your host, Stephanie Moran. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with Artie Dolan from Forage and Sustain about radical reciprocity, a term she will explain further in this episode. Forage and Sustain is an online platform dedicated to conscious and meaningful living. Through online guides, a curated marketplace, workshops, and sustainability consulting, Artie hopes to help create a new generation of conscious individuals who rise above the status quo, who look beyond the surface, and who are determined to do their part in being active agents of social change. If you love learning new ways you can reduce your impact on the environment, please subscribe to the Green Junkie podcast on your favorite platform you listen on. That way you'll never miss another Green Living episode. Thank you for being here. I really, really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Oh, you're so welcome. So Artie, I would love for you to tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, for sure. Um, so thanks for that great intro, but um, I'm Artie and I'm the founder of Forage and Sustain. And I'm currently based in Toronto, although I have lived in quite a few different countries and I travel pretty often as well. But I've been a solopreneur for almost seven years now. And I had a business before um, I started Forage in 2017. And it was kind of at the cusp of when sustainability was becoming more mainstream but back then it was still such a concept versus a truly like accepted way of living. So it's been really, really cool to be part of this ever-growing movement and just to see how much has changed and taken off since then. And so how did you start on this journey? Like, did you grow up and your family was into sustainability? Was it something you just kind of fell into on your on your own through school, through friends? Um, So many people ask me how I got started. And honestly, it just kind of fell into place. So like I mentioned, back in 2017, I was feeling pretty stuck working as a freelance writer and running my first business. Um, So I just started thinking about the things that really bothered me in the world and what kind of personal impact I wanted to have. And just from there, Forge and Sustain was born. And back then, it started off as just like an Instagram account and a blog just where I could share my own thoughts on sustainability and conscious living. And it's grown amazingly since then. But in terms of my family, I guess I did grow up in a way that was fairly sustainable, though that term was never used or even like consciously thought about. But my parents are immigrants from India. And so much of how they raised me was just inherent and cultural, but that we now in the West label as sustainable or conscious. So it was like the little things like food waste and food consciousness. That was also always something that they really made me aware of, even taking care of clothing and making sure it lasts. Like my dad still has sweaters that he's owned for like 30 years and he just, you know, he he treasures them. And, And I mean, we also had really close family friends who cared deeply about the earth and nature. Uh, so growing up alongside them cemented so many of my habits and beliefs and observations We'd go on nature walks and hikes, and they would always be like pointing out different types of plants and flowers and really encouraging us to see nature um, as like vastly different and diverse rather than just like a green wall. So it was something I grew up doing. um, And it's just, I think all of these small things, when compiled, they really do lay a foundation for this type of thinking, even if you're not realizing it at all at the time. Right. So you kind of just 
fell into it like over time. It wasn't like you woke up one day and we're like, I'm going to start living sustainably. It was just kind of, that was your way of life, I guess. It was just, and the older you got, you just must've incorporated more sustainability habits into what you were doing. Yeah. And just thinking about it a lot more consciously and on a bigger scale. Right. So I mentioned at the beginning, in your intro, radical reciprocity. So I would love for you to explain exactly what that is and what you mean by that. I know you mentioned when we were chatting that it's a a term that you kind of coined yourself. (laughs) So I would love for you to like, you know, dive in and like talk a little bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, as far as I know, I made it up. That's... Um, I'll, I'll read you the definition that I came up with. So radical reciprocity is a way of being that embraces all aspects of community and collectivism. When we are radically reciprocal, or, or sorry, when we are radically reciprocal, that word is hard to say. <laughs> um, <laughs> our thinking changes to include the needs of ourselves and the collective at the same time, creating systems of real change that surpass transactional donations, and instead deeply considers kindness, reverence, love, respect, and care for the betterment of all. So some of the ways we can go about thinking about this term is by asking questions. How can we give back in a meaningful way? How do the things we buy and the ideas we support help others or do they at all? So when we think of reciprocity, it automatically makes us more conscious because we're not just thinking of the one thing that we're buying or the one thing that's in front of us, but we're thinking of the concept as a whole and the ripple effect that it creates um, for, for the betterment of all. So just an example is if we just took care of people in our communities, there would be so much more room for growth and love and prosperity and the ability to actually thrive and not just survive. And if we think back to the way it used to be, you know, we didn't fly food in from other countries. We didn't rely on supplies from overseas. We kept things very local and we established self-serving communities where people took care of each other and had real abundance. Um, So buying and keeping things local really does help ourselves, but it helps each other as well. And I've just been sitting with this idea of self-care is community care and community care is self-care. And I just think that is kind of what the missing piece is in modern day sustainability. And it's probably why so many people feel so alone and like unfulfilled. But yeah, if we just kind of think back to the idea of the village and how it used to be, radical reciprocity was just such an inherent practice that everyone, you know, without even thinking about engaged with. Yeah, for centuries, things that were available were only what was available in your local economy. And, you know, not only did it provide this energy exchange for the villagers, but it also gave everyone a deep purpose because they were makers and they had a purpose in the village. So just kind of thinking back to that kind of thinking, I think if we can keep that at the forefront of sustainability, it just transfers the overall thinking from being me-centered to we-centered. No. And I love that. It's like thinking beyond like of yourself, right? (laughs) It's more than me, myself, and I, it's how can I give back, but also can I, how can I help people? Right. And so you talk a little like about communities, like it's more than just, I'm using a reusable mug, which using a reusable mug and a reusable bag is all important things, but 
it's also gotten me thinking a lot in the, in the last couple of months that it's more than just that trendy mug or that it's like really community. And like you said, village. So like what kind of examples, more examples could you give? Like how can we shift our thinking into this, that it's not only about us and it's about communities and the ecosystem. Like how can we make that shift versus like, I have my reusable mug, I have my bag, I'm doing my part, which again, are all good things, but I think we have to start thinking beyond that, like you said. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I I use this term about like buying our way to sustainability. And I think in a way, like we've kind of lost the point of sustainability in recent years. And I just, I mean, it's so wonderful to see so many people hopping onto this bandwagon and, you know, really trying to make a difference. But I think we've found ourselves in the crux of capitalism once again, where like you said, there's this idea of like buying the reusable tote or the cute bamboo cutlery and, you know, giving yourself a pat on the back because you did a good job. And while these types of actions certainly help and are great for raising awareness, and I mean, they also are a great gateway into this world for for newcomers. It just, it's not enough. And I think it kind of fuels our society's absolute obsession with consumption So in reality, the whole point is to be conscious over just sustainable. And in recent times, the word definitely has become a bit diluted, especially with huge corporations and big big brands just greenwashing us into their clever marketing campaigns. So the average consumer is unfairly led to believe that that's doing enough. Um, But instead of buying our way into this movement, I'm just such a huge advocate for sitting back really thinking about what matters to us and how we can make an impact on an individual scale um, and really thinking about creating a better future and not just hopping online and replacing the stuff we have with wooden things. (laughs) Um, So this kind of community vibe and this village vibe, it, it doesn't even have to be huge, but it can be something as simple as stocking a community fridge in a known food desert in your town or shopping for your elderly neighbor or, you know, helping a mom in your building who just had a baby and like can't do laundry. Just really thinking about how are we supporting one another and how are we helping each other thrive and not just thinking about, I guess, in a way ourselves because we just want to buy our way into this movement um, because it fuels that obsession that we've kind of been led to believe. So I do think there's a shift and I think we are graduating from doing that bare minimum. And if I can feel at least that we're becoming like more kinder and open and collectively just becoming more community minded. Um, So I do have hope that it's shifting. And I think just sitting and having these kinds of conversations with people like you is so important so that we can start to create that change. And I 100% agree with everything you said. And I remember when I started living more green, right? I got pulled into the whole aesthetics of sustainability, right? Like, oh, I need the nice jars and I need to buy wooden cutlery when I already have cutlery in my house. I could just literally take those with me, Um, (laughs) you know, and I need to buy the, you know, the cloth napkins when I could just use what I already have at home, like cut up an old t-shirt or like use something else I have at home. So it's, it's also making that shift. And I think some people catch on really fast that it's not about buying the aesthetics. It's like using what you already have. It's, it's, you know, giving back to the community and, and all those things. And then there's other people, like you said, that's their gateway 
right? That's them learning about sustainability. Like for me, I had my aha moment going, wait a minute. I don't like shopping. (laughs) I don't like consuming stuff, but I'm buying all this sustainability stuff. (laughs) Like this makes no sense. And I had my aha moment. And that's when I shifted to using what I already have, thrift shopping, buying secondhand and all that stuff. And that's what I'm teaching my daughter. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I just, I love the concept that you're talking about because, you know, it could be that you're growing a garden and you have like 5 million zucchinis. And instead of maybe, you know, selling them to your neighbors, maybe it's like giving it to your neighbors. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah. And I mean, I do want to say also that, you know, we do live in a capitalist society as of now, at least. And so some of those changes and buying from small businesses that I fully support because small businesses are definitely the backbone of our communities. And it's something that I've been huge in advocating for with Forage and Sustain. So there is that part of it. But yeah, it's just thinking about it outside of just consumption as well. And like you said, sharing the wealth in ways that don't have to be transactional, but just genuinely kind. The old gods have fallen and the world descends into turmoil. But amidst nations rallying their armies, a nefarious cult hellbent on chaos and the new gods attempting to seize control of it all. A spark of hope arises. We are the agents of repair, and we vow to contest these evils. To make the world a better place, no matter what stands in our way. Listen to Venture Forth, a D&D podcast across all podcasting platforms. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, there are some stuff we need to buy, right? So my running shoes are not going to last forever. You know what I mean? Like I'd love for them to last forever, but shoes sometimes like over time, they just wear out. So when you are going to buy something, it's looking for, okay, am I going to buy from like big box brand or am I going to look for a brand that is literally trying to change shopping for running shoes and, you know, being more sustainable. So I'm going to always opt for that, but there's other things we just probably don't even need to buy. Like I'm pretty sure everyone gets glass jars. Unless you're canning, you can use jars from like peanut butter and stuff. So I I, I agree. It's like that shift and, you know, sharing the wealth, like you said, it's like, if you have 5 million glass jars, maybe there's somebody else that needs them. Maybe Mm -hmm. there's a small business that needs jars for their business, or maybe your neighbors need jars for something. Like my sister took a bunch of my jars and I was so grateful. And so was my husband. (laughs) He's like, finally, And then now he's like, why are they all back? (laughs) Like, because I keep collecting them. Um, And she took them because she needed them for like an art project at school. You know, I was like, take them. And then she didn't have to go buy, spend money on like fancy mason jars or something for like a project at school. Yeah, absolutely. And like, there's this platform in Toronto. I don't know if you have it in Montreal. It's called Buns. And it's basically like a Facebook marketplace type platform, but it's purely trade based. So it's actually hilarious. People trade the funniest things. I had a friend who, um, I think someone was giving like a reusable tote bag that she wanted. And the exchange was like a turkey dinner. Like they were just like, I have this like full roasted (laughs) turkey. So it's really hilarious things, but it just kind of comes back to that concept of like someone's trash is someone else's treasure and taking the monetary aspects out of it and finding really creative ways to engage with people. You meet really cool people and 
just bringing back that community vibe of just helping each other out with who has what and who can use what kind of a thing. Yeah. And I love that concept. I know more in the United States and in Canada, I know there's not really any that many in the Quebec area, but there's a lot of those like buy nothing groups where you just post like, Hey, I have, I don't know, two water bottles. I don't want anymore. I'm going to leave them on my porch. If you want them, come get them, mm-hmm. you know? So like trading is great. Like I like that concept of like, Hey, I really want that bag. So I'm going to be creative and I'm going to trade something I have in my house that I don't want anymore. And maybe that person also wants it. And yeah. then I like also the concept of like the buy nothing Facebook groups, because, you know, if somebody is looking for, I don't know, like planters for plants and they just don't want to go out and buy them. And there's somebody that is moving and doesn't have room for plants. Well, if they put on this buy nothing group, Hey, I have like 10 planters. Someone's going to come get them. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's, it's kind of amazing how many people, like you don't think that anyone would take it because you don't need it, but there's always someone. Well, for, I have, I love plants. And when we, we only moved about a year and a half ago and I was living, we were living in a condo. So I couldn't really have that many plants in our condo. Cause it was a two bedroom condo for like four humans, which is not mm-hmm. a lot of space. And I was always just scared. They're going to get knocked over anyway. So we didn't really invest in plants. And when we bought our house, I'm like, this place is going to be covered in plants. Little did I know that spider plants like grow babies like rabbits. Oh my gosh. I have so many babies. I'm like, what am I going to do? I can't like, there's a limit on the amount of plants I can have in my house. And so one of my friends is just like, there's a plant Facebook group for all of Quebec. If you post that you have like 10 baby spider plants, they will show up at your house in like five minutes and take your baby spider plants. I'm like, I need to post that I have all these baby spider plants because they grow really nice. They're just babies right now. And they have like five leaves, but mm-hmm. I don't need 10 more spider plants in my house. Cause then we're not gonna be able to walk. So it's just like that concept of like, Oh, I have 10 baby spider plants. And how I got spider plants was because my son teacher had spider plants. And she told all the kids, if your parents want any spider plants, please bring a little bag to school and I will give you a baby spider plant. So that's how mine got started. And then at the end of the year, I told my son, can you please ask your teacher? She has more because I want more plants. (laughs) And so he brought another bag and she gave him like two more baby spider plants. So my my spider plant started from somebody giving them to me, right? So I'm thinking, well, they're literally free. (laughs) Yeah. I want to give back to them. So it's like that whole concept of like, we don't always have to like, have that exchange of money for every single thing that we do. I could post that I can sell them for $5. If I wanted to, I could, and people would buy the plants, but I just feel like that the energy, how I got the plant wasn't monetary. It was like out of kindness. So I want to shift that to like, now I want to be kind to other people and like pass that energy through and give those plants away. Yeah. It's like paying it forward. I love that. Right. And side note. If you're looking for plants, anyone that's listening, or you already, you can find so many plants on Facebook Marketplace. I just like to throw that out there. My husband sent me a message like two months ago. He's like, Steph, I found the perfect thing for you. Secondhand plants, plants and secondhand together. It's like the perfect thing for you. And then I went on and I bought like tons of plants. That's a great tip. I will keep it in mind. (laughs) I never would have thought to look for plants. It's because whatever ends up happening with plants, I know this is a total side note for those listening, but just quickly, is like a lot of plants grow babies 
or a leaf falls off and then you propagate that plant, right? And then you're stuck with like a snake plant leaf that you grew, let's say roots with. And then you're like, okay, how many more snake plants do you need? So a lot of people, I think they propagate their own plants and then they sell them for like $5 or they're moving and they don't have room for all their plants and they sell them. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, we just did that because we have really good family friends who have like such a lush garden and they're moving and very likely their home is going to be sold to like a developer or builder. So the whole plot is going to be excavated. So my dad like ran over and grabbed as many (laughs) things as he could because he's like, yeah, I want to propagate these. And, you know, you might as well because they're just going to get demolished anyways. Right. And so it's again, it's thinking outside of that box of, okay, this land is going to get like a big, something's going to get put on it, but there's all these plants, like, yeah, I'm going to take them and I'm going to propagate them. And then if I have too many, then I can pass them on to somebody else. Right. Mm -hmm. And I I do believe there's always a time for an exchange of money for sure, for certain things, you know what I mean? But sometimes I just feel like I'm personally in a position where I can give away those five or 10 baby plants that were essentially free then charge someone $5 for them. You know what I mean? Where some people might be like, I propagate plants because this is my job, (laughs) right? So I'm going to sell them on Facebook Marketplace because it's my job, right? But I I really truly believe there is a time for that exchange of money and then the exchange of just, hey, we're trading this or I'm giving it away. Yeah. And yeah, you you do what you can with your access, your ability, what you're able to. And so- there's no right or wrong way, but hundred percent, I think just thinking about things a little bit more consciously and, and not always having to have some sort of exchange, just coming up, coming from a place of kindness and reverence is truly how things will change. And I think, yeah, it's really beautiful. And I think we're, tr- we're starting to see quite a few of those changes already taking place, which is amazing. So like another example could just be like all these like community gardens that people put up, right. Where if you don't have land, and you want a garden, like our, where I live, there's tons of community gardens. And I think you pay for the whole season, maybe like $50, like mm-hmm. to give back to the, to the town. And you get like whatever amount of space that you need for your garden. And we did that for a while. But again, it's like creating that community. So we would see people when we'd go to the garden. And then I'd sometimes be like, we have too many cucumbers or we have too many cucumbers. And that person didn't grow cucumbers. So I would offer cucumbers to somebody, right? Or I'd offer zucchini to somebody because we had like 5 million zucchinis because when you plant one zucchini, you get like 5 million. (laughs) Yeah. I love the concept of community gardens. And I think it also just kind of, it brings different people, different cultures together, and it reconnects us to the earth as well. And like what you're saying about giving, you know, zucchinis and cucumbers to people, I just think it really challenges and restructures the way we've come to believe what like prosperity and abundance and wealth look like. And, you know, especially with food shortages and all that that's happening in the world right now, we really start to realize that like, what is money? At the end of the day, if we can have spaces like community gardens and, you know, like uh, trades and exchanges, that is what abundance and taking care of people looks like. Yeah. Like growing your own vegetables and fruit is like, it's growing your, it's growing money essentially, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Cause you don't have to go out and buy it. Even if you're buying it from like a local farm, you're still buying it. Mm-hmm. And um, if I had like way more space in our backyard, 
I would grow so many, so much food and then I would give it away. I would just like offer it to people, but I don't have that amount of space right now. Maybe next year I'll come up with another plan, but I love the idea of like, cause some people love, I, I'm on zucchinis cause I know zucchinis, like literally you plant one and you get 5 million. Like it's, I love the idea of like, if I grew some zucchini that I would give it away. Like, I like that idea. I like the idea of being like, hey, do you like zucchini? Would you like some of my fresh zucchini? It's organic. <laughs> I <Yeah>. grew it. <laughs> you know, like I want to get to that place. I would love to do that. Be able to just give back. It's all about giving back. Like, and I'm in a position where I can do those things. Mm-hmm. And I I just love this whole concept that you came up with radical reciprocity because it just, it really makes you think outside of the box. And really makes you think that it's like literally not always just about me. Sometimes it might just be about you for certain things, mm-hmm. but sometimes it really is about other people and how you can be kind and how you can give back to those people. Yeah. And just back to that idea that self-care is community care and vice versa. I read this uh, thing by a professor at, uh, I can't remember the university, but I can send it to you and you can put it in the show notes. But basically there's this concept that self-care is community care because we actually on a deep level feel so much better about ourselves when we give to other people or when we take care or even like buying presents for other people versus for ourselves. So yeah, if we are in a position to be able to do that, it can seem on the surface, like we're just doing things for other people, but on a much deeper level, we are actually supporting ourselves as well. So it's, it's more of like looking at it from a circular aspect versus like a pyramid that I think is very modern, but the circular aspect is something that ancient cultures and indigenous people have, um, have lived within for like millennia. And it just, yeah, it's, it's giving and taking and reciprocity at at its whole. I like the concept that you're talking about, like self-care. I, I never thought about it like that. So I appreciate that you brought that up, that it's, it's, can also be like healing, right? It's like you're taking care of yourself, but you're taking care of other people as well at the same time. Exactly. Um, this has been a really cool conversation. I really, really appreciated it. And so if anyone's looking for you, like where can they find you on social media? Um, what's your website? I will put everything in the show notes. So you don't need to take notes if you're listening. You can go in the show notes and find it, but I'd love for you to just mention where people can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, my Instagram is forage and sustain. And my website is forageandsustain.com. And those are pretty much the two places that I hang out the most. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I like truly appreciate your time. And uh, this was a really great conversation. Yeah, this is so much fun. Thank you so much for having me. For more green living and non-toxic inspiration, you can listen to a couple of my other episodes, including number 41, Slow and Easy Living with Emily Padan. Number 40, Teaching Kids How to Adopt a Greener Lifestyle with Kayla Powell. And number 38, Sustainable Fashion A to Z with Carly Heiser. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at This is Stephanie Moram. And don't forget to subscribe to the Green Junkie podcast on your favorite platform. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next Tuesday, Green Junkie.